Hi, welcome to Moments with Marilyn. I'm your host, Marilyn Boyer, the mom of 14 homeschool kids. I love sharing tips and tools to encourage young moms and make your journey easier. Today, we're going to continue the topic we started last week, which is guiding your kids and thinking biblically. And this, my goal in this is giving you hands-on ways that you can help your kids to think biblically, to exchange our natural thoughts for God's thoughts. And there will be in the show notes a list of these verses. I explained last week that when my kids were little, I wrote down the struggles that they were facing. And then I looked up verses to address those struggles. And I made little Bibles out of construction paper and you could have them laminated or whatever. And then every day we would use these kind of like flashcards and we would go over these verses to supply your kids with an arsenal of God's truth to help them think biblically when they faced these difficult situations in everyday life. Okay, um, we stopped with when tempted to grumble or complain, Philippians 2, 14 and 15. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. You know, when we murmur and dispute, we're actually saying that we know better than God. You know, God doesn't understand this or he wouldn't have had this happen. And another thing to teach our kids, there's a verse, Proverbs 15, 1, I think, in the Living Bible says, griping brings discouragement. And we taught this. We had one child who was just given to griping. And we explained what this verse says. It brings discouragement, not only to the person who's griping, but to everybody around him. And think about it. When you're around a person who's complaining and griping, it's discouraging. You don't want to be around that person. You just want to get away from them. So we need to teach our kids that all griping ultimately is against God and his best for my life. Because God has said that he is not going to let anything happen to us that is not for our good. And then it says, do all things without grumblings and disputing, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants our light to shine among the world. And when we're griping, our light's not shining. Our light's hidden under a bushel. So we need to teach our kids to get a handle on this and how to exchange those natural, griping, whining, complaining thoughts for God's thoughts. When tempted to disobey parents, Colossians 3.20, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. You know, our life is to please God. That's why we're left here on earth, to please God. And that needs to be our goal. And we need to teach our kids that that is our goal. Our life needs to please God. And a good evaluation, if they just did something that, that was wrong, did that please God? You know, our whole purpose of our life is to please God. And if we're doing something that's not pleasing God, we need to change that. And as far as us parents, we need to kind of be sure here that we're not making it oppressive to have our kids obey, that we're not exasperating our kids. We always try to give simple, clear instructions. Don't make them complicated. First of all, don't not give instructions. Don't just assume that your kids know the right thing to do or know what you want them to do in a given situation. 
because they don't. They're children. They don't know what we want unless we tell them and instruct them and guide them. So make your instructions simple and make them clear so that your kids know how to obey, because otherwise they're going to disobey if they don't know what you're expecting of them. When tempted to get discouraged, Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You know, God will see you through. We need to teach our kids this. It may be a different path than you planned on or that you thought was best, but we need to teach our kids to trust in God's loving care for them. Give your kids examples in your life when you thought something was the right thing and it didn't work out that way. God had another plan for your life and how you ended up coming to see how that really was the better plan. That's happened so many times when I look back at my life. If I could have chosen, I never would have had it happen, this happen. But God knew in his sovereign will that that was the best thing for me at the time. I think of an example when my 17-year-old son Josh had leukemia. He was diagnosed three weeks before my 13th child was born. And if I had known that and could have chosen, would I have chosen to be pregnant and have a child during that time? No, because life was crazy enough. But as I look back, I see how having that 13th child was a comfort to my son Josh. He loved having that baby to hold and to uh, give little bits of peanut butter and whipped cream to. Um, you know, it was a blessing. It helped him get through the struggles that he had and God knew that that would be the best thing. I would not have known that. There's so many times in my life I would have chosen a different path, but God in his sovereignty knew this is my will for you. And we need to keep, teach our kids to accept that, to see that, and to trust, even when we don't see that, that God will do the best thing. Um, when tempted to waste time foolishly, Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, see then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of God is. There's another verse that I love. My whole life I've loved this verse. Teach us to number our days that we may present to thee a heart of wisdom. We tend to think we've got plenty of time but God knows better. You know, our time is limited. It's fleeting. What will life be like 10 years from now? Even you as a parent, when you're struggling with the ages your kids are and feeling overwhelmed, stop and just think, what's it going to be like 10 years from now? It's going to be totally different. Um, in your head, think, what age is this child going to be? What age is this child going to be? How is my life going to be different? And you can't know that totally, but it's, it's going to change drastically, even five years from now, sometimes even a year. If you've got a child who's a toddler who's very distracting when you're trying to do school with the others and they're causing noise, a year from now is going to make a huge difference. So we need to number our days that we may present to the heart of wisdom. You know, we can't go back and redo time wasted or we can't take back hurtful words that we've said. So we, help, we need to help our kids see this and set goals and plan to achieve. Don't expect them to have the maturity of an adult. That's why they're given parents. That's part of our job 
is to guide them through these struggles and help them see and kind of give them a bird's eye picture of what things are going to be like ahead and how they need to plan for that and how they need to make wise use of today. If you waste today and you waste tomorrow and you waste the next day, pretty soon you're going to have wasted your life. You know, you need to grab a hold of things and make a plan and we need to help our kids to do that, to do things that are important, to invest in others, to go visit that shut-in or to bring a meal to that person who needs some encouragement or the mom that just had a new baby. But we can guide our kids in this to help them make their lives count. Another one, when tempted to complain about others, oh, aren't we tempted to that, to do that? James 5, 9, grudge not one against another, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth at the door. So God is telling us not to judge others. You know, God has forgiven us, and we need to remember that. God is at work in everyone's life. God has created every single person on this earth, and they are made in the image of God. And we need to remember that. You know, everyone is working on a different timetable. We need to teach our kids to mind their own business and do right themselves and leave their brother or the neighbor down the street or whatever to God, for God to work in their life. You know, we don't know also what struggle somebody else is going through. You might see somebody who looks like they're angry. And I gave this example in one other um, podcast, but my daughter once told me about a lady in church who, who seemed mad. She said, she always seems mad. And I said, you know what? I think she's just shy. Why don't you go talk to her? So she did. She went and talked to her, and she ended up developing a wonderful relationship with this lady. This lady ended up kind of adopting her as a daughter and, and buying her stuff for a hope chest for when she got married in future years. And um, my daughter still has a great relationship with this lady now. And it, you know, you don't know what struggles somebody's going through. You assume they're mad, or you assume they're, um, you know, bitter or whatever. But if you don't invest in their life, you'll never know what struggles they're going through. So don't complain about others. Instead, invest in their life. See if you can be a blessing in their life. When tempted to return wrong for wrong, First Peter three eight and nine. Finally, be all of ye of be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that ye are there unto call, that ye should inherit a blessing. Remember, you know, it's so easy to want to pay back someone who's done wrong for us. That's our first thought. But God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. The Lord is the only true judge. The Lord knows the whole story. We only have this little tiny pie slice of what we see. But God is sovereign. He knows his plan. And he will avenge all wrong in his own time. We need to teach our kids that that's not what we do. Instead, we do what that verse is we learned last week about praying for those, where is it, um, praying for those who are unkind to us, praying for those who mistreat us, and doing good to them. That's what we are to do, not return wrong for wrong. 
When tempted to love things of the world, 1 John 2, 15 through 17, love not the world, neither the things in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. We need to cultivate in our kids living for God, not the good things God has given us to enjoy. And God has given us good things, and we should enjoy them, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't. But good things can become idols in our life. Anything that we love more than God or anything that we're willing to do wrong to get is an idol, and we need to teach our kids that. You know, we need to appreciate the good things. We need to give God thankfulness for them, but we need to not let them become idols in our life. God needs to have first place in our life. When suffering unjustly, 1 Peter 2, 19 through 21, for it is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongly. For what glory is it if when ye are buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? But if when ye do well, and suffer for it, ye take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. For even thereunto were ye called, because God also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps. And you might want to use a different version for some of these that makes it more understandable to kids. But we need to teach our kids to expect to suffer unjustly. Expect it. You will be mistreated in this life. You will be misunderstood by people. But Christ left us an example, and God sees. He knows if somebody else misunderstands us or says something wrong about us, God knows. He sees our heart, and he will reward you for doing right. We need to teach our kids to be always ready to forgive. A wise man once said we should get up in the morning and be ready to forgive and willing to repent, and that is so true. You know, we need to teach our kids it's not something unusual to be mistreated. You will be mistreated by others. You will be misunderstood. But what do we do when those things happen? What We put on God's truth, and we live in God's truth instead of our natural reaction. When tempted to fear evil, 1 John 4, 4, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You know, it's so pertinent in this world we live in. It's, it's such a crazy world. You know, so much has kind of gone astray, even in the last five years. But we need to teach our kids not to fear that. You know, we can never die until God is ready for us to die. Psalm 139, we would teach our kids this, that God planned all the days of your life when as yet there were none of them. God has, or in your book, were written all the days ordained for me, when as yet there were none of them. God planned every day. He knows what day you're going to die. And you cannot die until God is ready for you to die. Furthermore, God has given you a guardian angel to protect you. So we need to teach our kids, instead of being fearful, to use the word as our sword. Follow Jesus' example. When Satan tempted him, he fought back with the word of God. And that's the same thing that we need to teach our kids to do. And that is why we're doing what we're doing today. That's why we're going over these verses. 
We want to arm our kids with truth so that it's ready, so that it's there, it's in their head, it's ready to be applied. If they don't know it, they can't apply it. All right, one more. When tempted to gripe about rough things, James 1, 2 through 4. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. You know, rough things that happen to us shape and mold us, just like the potter with the clay. There's verses in the Bible about the potter and the clay. Use an illustration. Let your kids use some clay. Get them some little plastic knives and have them mold an object. Teach them how to cut the raw edges off with the knife and smooth it out. Yeah, in our lives that hurts when God is doing that, but it creates a masterpiece. Let them work that out and, and have a visual um, example of what that's like. You know, these rough things have turned out for good. My, one of my favorite people in the Bible is Joseph. That verse, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to save much people this day. When his brothers sold him into slavery, he was mistreated by Pharaoh's wife and thrown into prison. So much in Joseph's life was so bad, seemed like it was bad. But those rough things that happened to him were meant for good. And Joseph saw that. He realized that God was doing it for his good. And he's just, he's my favorite example because he just, for years, he went through rough thing after rough thing. And he still had the right attitude that God was using it for good. And instead of taking revenge on his brothers when they came into Egypt, he forgave them. And he realized that God had put him in a position to save the whole nation of Israel. If he had responded with bitterness, God wouldn't have been able to use him to do that. There's other examples, too. Um, you know, God often saves us from ourself. I want to give you one more example of Jake DeShazer. He was one of the Doolittle Raiders in World War II. He, was, he had crashed land. He was captured by the Japanese. He was tortured for three and a half years. But during that time, he got a hold of the Bible. And he read it through. This is kind of a short version of the story. After World War II ended, he came back to the States, went to Bible college. Then he went back and preached the gospel to the Japanese people and the very guards who tortured him. Because he practiced forgiveness, he realized that God meant this for good. And because of that, thousands of Japanese people were saved because he took a rough thing that happened to him and he realized that God was going to use it for good in his life. He practiced forgiveness under terrible circumstances. He, he forgave people that put him through terrible circumstances. And because of that, God accomplished salvation of thousands of people. It's just a great example. Um, his story is in our book, Portraits of Integrity. We also have an audio about him. But it's so important to use examples of real-life people to illustrate these principles that God tells us in his word. You know, God has a master plan, and we see cloudy as through a glass, like in 1 Corinthians 3.12. We see darkly, but one day we'll see face to face. I've also heard the illustration of somebody doing a needlepoint. When you look at the backside of a needlepoint picture, it's a mess. It's all these ends of threads tied off. It looks terrible, but when you turn it over, 
you see the masterpiece. And that's what God is doing in our lives. He's creating a masterpiece. So many things we need chopped out and carved out of our life, but God is creating us to be a servant who can go to heaven and honor him. We need to honor him with our lives here. And we don't see how to do that readily. So God has rough things happen to us to smooth off those rough, rough edges in our life. Um, in Isaiah, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. The Lord has to take our thoughts and take our ways and teach us to speak truth to ourselves from the scripture and turn our ways and our thoughts to what God wants them to be. And in so many ways, it is easier to learn this as a child. And that's why we need to do this with our kids. We need to intentionally teach them how to deal with these struggles. So I would challenge you to write down the struggles that your kids are facing and then find applicable verses to help them think on the truth, to exchange their thoughts for God's thoughts, which is what we've done with these last two podcasts. As I told you, years ago, I wrote down struggles my kids were facing, looked up the scriptures, and helped them to work through this in their lives. And that's what I, you are welcome to use these. I will give them to you in the show notes, the verses that we used, and the temptations. But I also would encourage you to write down some struggles that may be your kids are facing that are not on this list. You know, kids today have a lot of struggles with the, the temptations of the internet. You know, there's a lot of things your kids may be facing that my kids were not at the time that I did this. So write them down. Look up the verses. The scripture has answers for every struggle we face. So do this on a regular basis. You know, evaluate your kids' lives. Talk to them. See what they're struggling with. And then help them arm them with verses to meet the struggles and the needs in their own life. That's our job as parents. That's what it's all about. So I hope this has helped you. Instead of just giving you a list of verses and scriptures, I hope this has helped you to see how I would use these in the lives of my kids to help them work through these challenges that they were facing so that you can then do that with your kids. Thanks so much for joining us today. We'll see you next week.